Well, good morning, church. I trust we have all had a great week. Um, we also want to thank God for seeing us through our fasting and prayer program. I want to encourage you all to rejoice and look forward to what God has in store for you. Uh, he hears the prayers of the saints, and most importantly, he answers them. So there is every reason to rejoice and be glad. Amen. So be on the lookout and be on the expectancy of all your prayer requests being answered. Uh, the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So believe. The Bible says that before we even pray, our posture should be of belief. We should believe that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Before you even get into the art of prayer, the first thing is to believe that he rewards. Amen. So let's be on the lookout and on the expectancy. Amen. Let's pray and get right into it. Father, we thank you for this morning as we come before your holy word. Pray that you will minister to your people in simplicity and clarity of speech, yet in the fullness and the power of your spirit. Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak through me and you think through me. Uh, holy Spirit, may my inspirations be your inspirations and may whatever uh, that, that comes out of my heart and and out of my mind and out of my mouth may be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. I'm going to read this in the contemporary English version. CEV. And this morning I'm speaking on wisdom. I ask the glorious Father and God of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you his spirit. The spirit will make you wise and let you understand what it means to know God. Amen. So this is an excerpt of an apostle's prayer to his beloved people in Ephesus. He was praying for them that the Holy Spirit will make them wise. In other versions, he says that I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you will be upon you. Amen. So um, during this extended period of fasting and prayer, I strongly believe with all my heart that one of the treasures or one of the riches of Christ that we have experienced and we have gained in abundance is wisdom. Uh, it's an insult to God to be a prayerful fool. After you've been on your knees and pray. And especially being in this extended period of fasting and prayer, don't, don't get out from your prayer closet and walk like a fool or be naive. Uh, it's, it's a misnomer. It's the antithesis of the gospel. Because when one is in Christ and one is a new creation, one of the treasures and one of the riches of Christianity or of Christ is wisdom. So we are to walk wise. Amen. 
Look at the scripture with me in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3. Colossians chapter 2, verse 3. In whom, many years ago, I read a book by Kenneth Higgin, and he gave this exercise I've never forgotten. I, I tried it myself. He said, when you read the New Testament, not starting from Matthew, but from uh, Acts, he even said from Romans. It's better from Romans, because Romans is the epistles, Acts is more about the history of the first church. But when you start from Acts to Jude, Anywhere that they've written in Christ, in him, in whom, underline it. And, you know, Kenneth Higgin, he really focused more on New Testament, living new Christian reality. So it's littered in all his books. You know, most of the books, he always gives us size. Anywhere you see in Christ, in him, in whom. In fact, I came across it quite a, a couple of times in some of his books, and I tried it. It's a great blessing because anytime you see the word in him, in Christ, in whom, there is a blessing there for you. There is something that you will need to understand about new creation realities or the new covenant blessing. Amen. So in whom here is talking about Christ. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And are we in Christ? The Bible says that if we are in Christ, we are a new creation. So if we are in Christ, then we have come into contact with all the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Amen. So what is wisdom? It is the ability to skillfully, and this is my key word, it's not just using knowledge, but it's the ability to skillfully use knowledge. My operative word this morning is skillfully. Because anybody can use knowledge, but, you, but it is in the skillful application and in the skillful use of knowledge that you are deemed wise. You, you, you use knowledge you comprehend by inspiration. And inspiration here, I'm talking about by the Holy Spirit because he is the ultimate source of wisdom. Amen. So when I'm talking about wisdom, I'm really not talking about earthly, sensual, or carnal wisdom. I'm talking about spiritual wisdom. We are able to skillfully use knowledge that we comprehend by inspiration. And inspiration here is by the Holy Spirit. It's very important because there are many people who work as wise people, but they are pseudo-wise. When I use the word pseudo, I mean it's it's a false form of wisdom because anything or, or anything pseudo or anything fake has to come from the genuine. I understand me. So you can't have a false thing without first and foremost replicating the true image of heaven. So when I'm talking about inspiration, there are many people who deem themselves wise, but the inspiration through which they get this kind of wisdom can be demonic can be sensual, can be carnal. So when I'm talking about you being able to skillfully use information, skillfully use knowledge that you have comprehended by inspiration, I want to limit it and narrow it down to spiritual wisdom. Amen. So in this sermon, let's look at what wisdom can do. In fact, I, I didn't want to preach a series on this, but 
I'm being stretched to do that. And I just want to obey God. Amen. Pastor Steve doesn't run the church. I'm just privileged to, 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 to be a steward. Amen. So it's better to walk in obedience than to uh, move by your own preference. Amen. So in this sermon, I'm, I'm going to look at what wisdom can do, the hallmarks and its benefits. So it's now going to be a stretch. Amen. But I believe that by the time we are done, we will hit a home run uh, with this sermon. All these three should be highlighted to get the full picture of what wisdom is. Amen. So if you look at verses 18 to 21 of Ephesians chapter 1, I just read that in CEV. That if you go home, take your time, read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 to 21, uh, there are some key features to note on wisdom, what wisdom can do. In verse 18, it mentions that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened, broadened understanding. So when you receive this wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ, it gives you broad understanding. Your understanding is not darkened. You have enlightened understanding. That means you have broadened understanding. So that's the first thing it does. You have broadened understanding. The second thing that this wisdom does is that the Bible lets us know it helps you to know the hope of his calling. We are the called. It helps us to know the future of we who are called the saints. And what's the future? The future of every called person, every new creation, or one who is, who is a calling, is we will spend eternity with our Father in heaven. So this wisdom helps you to be eternity-minded. You are able to put things in its proper perspective, and you are able to weigh it side by side with eternity. You are not wise if you don't have eternity in view. So when we call ourselves wise people, we have eternity in view. We have another world in view that our Savior has called us and he's going to prepare a place for us. We know the future, the hope. And when you know that, the Bible lets us know that you purify yourself and you walk as one because you have that expectation and that hope that one day at the end of this age, life will truly begin. The third thing is also in verse 18. You will gain insight into Christ's riches, which is our inheritance. The Bible says that we will know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And one of the riches is the Holy Spirit. He lives in us. Sometimes when you ask Christians what are true riches, they will begin to say money. Money is a form of riches, but it's not true riches. When especially when you look at the New Testament, true riches are riches or blessings that we have received in Christ. Things like righteousness, things like justification, 
things like we have received wisdom, things like sanctification, things like the resurrection that we will partake of. These are true riches. Now, when you have wisdom, you are able to gain insight and gain a fuller understanding of the true riches, which is our inheritance. It takes a certain kind of wisdom to know that. So that is what wisdom can do. And in verse 19 to verse 21, it talks about the last thing that wisdom will help us to do. We will know the exceeding greatness of God's power. And then if you read it further on, Paul goes on to explain what this power is. It's far above every dominion power and every name which is in heaven or on earth or that which is to be named. This is the power. This is the power that raised Christ from the dead. This power dwells in our mortal bodies. You will know the exceeding greatness of God's power. Any problem that you face, any circumstance that you face, you will be able to size it up with the exceeding greatness of God's power. That's wisdom. So four things that wisdom will help us to do according to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 to 21. It gives us broadened or enlightened understanding. You are no longer in the dark. One of the ways the devil takes captivity of people is ignorance. And Apostle Paul said it. We are not ignorant of the devil's devices. Least he takes advantage over us. Many Christians are being taken advantage of some of us, the devil is able to take our lunch box, eat our lunch, and then pop the lunch bag in front of us. He takes advantage of us, walks in and out of our lives as he pleases. Why? Because we have a darkened understanding. We have enlightened understanding. The light of God is able to shine into every crevice of our mind that we have enlightened understanding. We have broadened understanding, not just of spiritual things, but also things that pertain to life. We have broadened understanding. The second thing is that we know the future of our call. We know the end goal of our call. We know the destiny of our call. And that is heaven. And that is where we'll partake of the resurrection. The third thing is that we gain insight into Christ's riches, which is our inheritance. You may know a bit about stocks. You may know about a, a bit about treasury um, bills and bonds and all those things, which is very good. It's very good. I advise you to do that. If you are prudent financially, you should be able to invest in one or two diverse financial portfolio. Very important. But your knowledge of riches should not just end in the finance sector. Your knowledge of riches should extend to crisis riches, which is our inheritance. And a wise person can explain that. And then the last thing is that we know the exceeding greatness of God's power. Now, I want to add some more on what wisdom can do from two scriptures. And this I want us to read. The first scripture reading is James chapter 1, verse 2 to 5. James chapter 1, verse 2 
to 5. And I read, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without approach, and it will be given to him. I like how the NIV phrases this. He says, the NIV says that we should ask God who will give us wisdom without finding faults. You know, there are some people who say they will want to help you, but immediately they stretch their hands to help you. They will find their faults and they will withdraw. God is not like that. He will give it to you without finding faults. He gives it to you generously. He gives it to you lavishly without finding faults. He gives without reproach. So now, the fifth thing that we see here in these verses of scripture I just read is that wisdom helps us to know what to do in trials. Sometimes when we go through trials, when we go through tests, we become confused. We become very disoriented. We are not able to think straight. But when we have godly wisdom, in times of test, in times of inconvenience, when our backs are against the wall, we know what to do. Why? Because of wisdom. And, and Apostle James is exhorting us through the Spirit of God that, if you are one of such people that when you are caught up in, in a very hard place or, or when you are caught in between a rock and a hard place and you don't know what to do and life seems insurmountable and, and, and things become so overwhelming for you, he is not condemning you. He is rather imploring upon you to ask God for wisdom. And when you ask God, God will give it to you. God will not say shame on you. You can't handle this problem. God is not going to do that. He will give you wisdom. He will supply it liberally without finding faults. So I don't know what situation, what circumstance, what, what scene of life you may be in presently. If it's a precarious one, ask God for wisdom. He will give it to you without finding faults. This wisdom helps us to manage and navigate successfully when we are going through trials. Trials are not pleasant experience. A testing of your faith can bring you to your knees. A testing of your, your faith can bring you to tears. But, but when you feel the pain and, and when you feel the pressure, don't lose composure and don't be overwhelmed. Always remember that God will give us Wisdom, if we cry out to him, that we will be able to know how to navigate through that uncomfortable scene successfully until we experience victory. So that's what wisdom will help us do. We know what to do when in trials. Now, my second scripture reading. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 17. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 17. 
See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So, the scripture we just read from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 17, underscores three more important things to note. So, we, we have five now. So, let me go through the five quickly. Broadened understanding. The future of our call. We gain insight into crisis, which is our inheritance. We know the exceeding greatness of God's power. And then number five, we know what to do when in trials. Now, the sixth one. We walk circumspectly. Circumspectly is a big word. It means cautiously. It means accurately. It means exactly. It means diligently. So when you have this wisdom, you walk circumspectly. You are not careless. You walk circumspectly. You do things accurately. By the book. You are diligent. That's circumspect. So a wise person is a diligent person. Wisdom and fools, they don't go together. Wisdom and laziness don't go together. You can't be lazy and you claim you are wise. That's an misnomer. Because the Bible says that when you are wise, you walk circumspectly. Circumspectly also means you walk with discretion. You know what to say and know what to say. You are able to exercise discretion or sound judgment. Let me go on, on, on a leap to even say this. When you walk circumspectly, you have emotional intelligence. You are able to read the room and you know how to relate to everybody differently. And, and you are able to do that based on skill. Because you can't treat everybody the same. You just can't. One business executive said that if you treat everybody the same way, you just have 25% of your customer base. You've lost 75%. And I don't even know whether he's a Christian, but he's talking based on business technique and skill that you have to understand there are four different kinds of customers and you have to be able to relate to each and every one of them based on skill. But if you just relate just one way, it's just 25%. And he was explaining that's why most businesses fail. And this is a secular guy. And what I'm trying to say is that when we have wisdom, we work circumspectly, which means that we exercise sound judgments we exercise discretion, and we are able to relate with people well. You know when to hold your peace. You know when to let it all out. It's a skill. It's called being circumspect. Wisdom helps us to do that. And how that is needed 
Even in today's corporate America, soft skills are valued more than hard skills. There was a time hard skills was everything. Hard skills, um, numeracy, literacy, computer skills, uh, being able to do things, you know, it, it was something in the 90s. You needed hard skills to make it. Now in, in, the, in the 20s, in the 21st century, soft skills are valued. Team player, adaptability, reliability. All these are fruits of emotional intelligence. But the thing is that if you are wise and when you walk circumspectly, all these skills will begin to show up. It's, it's a fruit of wisdom. Amen. So even even helps you to even become an asset to your workplace. Because when you have wisdom and when you work circumspectly, soft skills, which may be you will learn from books or, or you might have to go and sit in some of these master classes and think tank sections to be taught. The Holy Spirit, by inspiration, can teach you these things. Jesus, what school did he go to? Did he read emotional intelligence book? Did he read uh, Blackaby, Henry Blackaby's book, the, the authority on emotional? I don't think he, you know, he didn't even exist. But Jesus had emotional intelligence because it was by inspiration. And that's why it's very important when we are defining wisdom. Wisdom is the skillful application of knowledge you comprehend by inspiration. It's very important. The inspiration aspect is important. Because that means you are inspired by the Holy Spirit to do what you are doing. In fact, next week when I go into the wisdom, the inspiration will become very clear as we look at it. Amen. The seventh thing, you are a great steward of time. The Bible lets us know that redeem the time, the days are evil. When you have wisdom, you are able to prospect time and you are able to be a very good steward of time. You are accountable of your time. By the time you go to sleep, you will be able to account for what you did with your time. Put yourself to the test. Tonight, if you are going to bed, can you really account for your time? If you are struggling, if, you, if it's sketchy, if you can't really have details, find details of what you did in between your 12 hours you were awake or your 15 hours you are awake, depending on how many hours you sleep, it might mean you are not a good steward of time. You are not redeeming the time. You are not buying the time. Wise people are judicious stewards of time. They handle time well. They use time well. And one of the ways you use time well is to be on time. You're on time. One of the ways to use time well is to meet deadlines. One of the ways to use time well is not to be involved in promise and fail. If you promise and if you can't deliver it, make it known. The Bible even says that it is, not, it is unwise to make a vow and not redeem it. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Amen. So wise people 
are good stewards of time. And then the eighth and the final thing, they know what the will of God is. Verse 18, verse 17, I'm sorry. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. They have an understanding of what the will of the Lord is. This is the next one. When you read the Bible very carefully, the will of the Lord is not static. The will of the Lord is depending on context. So I cannot really give you one scripture and then explain to you, this is the will of God. It's according to context. When you read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 17, the will of the Lord was they should be filled with the Spirit. And when they are filled with the Spirit, they will minister to the brethren in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, and they will not be drunk with wine. That is the will of the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the will of the Lord is also given there. And the will of the Lord is to give thanks to God in all things. So the will of the Lord is fluid. The will of the Lord is dynamic, depending on context. But whichever be the case, when you have wisdom, you, you are able to have a knowing of what the will of the Lord is in each season of your life. Amen. So we've gone through eight things today. What wisdom can do. Broaden the understanding, the future of our call, gain insight into Christ's riches, our inheritance, know the exceeding greatness of God's power, know what to do when in trials, walk circumspectly, great steward of time, knows what the will of God is. Eight things that wisdom can do, and they are more. But for the brevity of time, and I believe what the Spirit wants us to know, this is good enough. Now, let me end here, and we will continue next week. I want us to stand on this particular scripture to pray and thank God that we have received wisdom. Now, as you are listening to this message, wisdom is not beyond you. It's not far above you. You have received wisdom. You have wisdom. Especially if you participated in this extended period of our prayer and fasting, one of the benefits, one of the riches that you tapped into is the wisdom of God. Use it, walk in it, be bold, unashamed as a child of God, walk in it without reservation, and let people know that the God that you serve has blessed you with wisdom. Walk in it. And let the fruits and the manifestation of divine wisdom begin to show. Ephesians 1 verse 8. I read this in the Amplified. Which he lavished upon us in every kind of wisdom and understanding. Which is practical insight and prudence. I like the word lavished. Do you know what it means to lavish? It means, let me use this word, to be wasteful. <laughs> to be extravagant. Do you know one of the things that God has wasted or he has given to us extravagantly? Wisdom. We have been lavished with every kind of wisdom and understanding, every kind. Practical insight and prudence. Is when you are a Christian, when you are wise, you know what to do in this life too as well. It just doesn't translate only to spiritual things. 
Practical insights and prudence. That's why the book of Proverbs is written. Practical common sense, day-to-day -day life, day-to-day -day living. You're on top. You are wise in the affairs of this life. The Bible lets us know that we have received this. It's been lavished upon us. It's been given to us extravagantly. Wasteful, wasteful. One of the things God has wasted upon or given to us that maybe even the, the angels will look about, ah, that, that's a waste, that's wisdom. He's given it to us. He has lavished it upon us. So based on this scripture, I just want us to thank God. Can we thank God today that we have received wisdom? We walk in wisdom. The fruit of wisdom is going to show in our lives in the name of Jesus. Let's begin to thank God. Can we thank him? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank God that you walk in wisdom. He has lavished you with every kind of wisdom and understanding, which is practical insight and prudence. Thank him. You walk in wisdom. You walk in wisdom because God has given it to you free of charge. You walk in wisdom because he has lavished it upon you and upon your life. You walk in wisdom. May the fruit of wisdom show. May the evidence of wisdom show in your life because he has lavished it upon you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We receive this wisdom. Thank you. That during our prayer and fasting, O oh Lord, one of the greatest benefits, riches, and treasures that you gifted unto us is wisdom. We receive it. We walk in it, O oh Lord. And thank you that divine wisdom will fully be manifested in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's have communion.